Good morning, everybody. How you guys doing today? Who's loving Jesus today? Come on. You love Jesus? Wow. Isn't that a great question just to start out our morning? Do you love Jesus, right? Now, listen, I know this about New Life Church. There are a number of people at all of our campuses that currently don't love Jesus, but you're on a journey to discover who he is. Can I just say how proud I am of you? I mean, thank you so much for this hunger that's on the inside of you and your desire to feed it. I don't know what is all driving that, but I just want you to know I'm for you, I'm with you, and uh, we're going to preach every single week just to help you while we help all of the rest of us continue to grow in our journey to become more like Jesus and uh, live our lives to look a lot more like him. So look, this church is totally set up to help people who are far from Christ come into a relationship with Jesus and those who are close to Christ to have their lives continue to be changed by him. That's who we are. That's the journey we are on. That's the reason why we're teaching in a series called Win the Day. So I hope that you guys have been enjoying it. I hope that beyond enjoying it, you've been getting something out of it. So uh, saying a big hello to everybody at all of our campuses today, including our online campus. Thank you for being a part of this. Uh, if you haven't started reading the book by Mark Batterson, Win the Day, I would highly encourage that. I'm using the book as kind of like some starter thoughts so that I can maybe kind of get my mind and my heart kind of going in a direction. I can dive into God's word and I can say, God, what does your word have to say about this particular habit? Uh, when the day is seven daily habits that if we can apply these habits to our life, they can radically transform our spiritual journey to become, to become more like Christ and to live our lives more like him. And so we've been going through a lot of these, like flip the script, kiss the wave, eat the frog, fly the kite, cut the rope. How many of you guys have been around for some of those already? All right, good. Today is wind the clock. Come on, turn to your neighbor next to you and tell them, wind the clock. All right, come on, wind the clock. Wind the clock. How many of you guys remember 1979 like it was yesterday? All right, yeah. <laughs> One of my friends was just clapping, and I know as a fact he was nine years old. All right. So uh, super excited about it. Nine years old. Let's do it. Let's do it again. I don't want to be nine years old again. I don't know about you. I I'll start at 16 again. I at least want some freedom to drive someplace. You see what I'm saying? Like if I could wind back the clock. If you could wind back the clock, what, what date would you wind the clock back to? If you could step back in time and start over again, what age would you be? All right, what age would you be? I want you to think about that really quick, right? What age would you be if you could wind back the clock and start over again? I want you to turn to somebody next to you and tell them what age you'd be right now. Ready? Get set, go. Tell them what age would you be? All right. How many of you guys said I would be the age I am right now? Okay. All right. All right. It's a good time right now. It's a good time right now. Isn't it amazing, though, that no matter how old you get, your mind, you can flash back in your mind to whatever age you want to. Isn't that interesting? So here's the beauty. As you get older, you got more options. You never thought of it that way, have you? I'm going to tell you one thing that's true, though. Your body's not going to snap back to any age you want it to. Your, your mind will, but your body's going, uh-uh, ain't going there. Not going there. But there was a study done in 1979 by a Harvard professor, and if you read the book, Win the Day, you read this illustration uh, by Ellen Langer. And I just thought this was so profound, I wanted to start out today's message with it. She did, she did an experiment. She called it the counterclockwise study. What she wanted to do is she wanted to study the, the, uh, the effect that the mind, how the mind perceives time 
and how that affects the physical body. And her plan was to take a group of elderly people and snap them back 20 years and put them into a time frame where they could live as if it was 20 years earlier, 20 years younger, right? She knew that she couldn't turn back time. She knew that. But she had this idea, this hypothesis. What would it be like if I could turn back the clock? So she invited people in her upper 70s and early 80s to participate. And she renovated, totally renovated a monastery. She completely changed the whole inside of it. When you walked into it, you were walking into a time capsule, 1959, 20 years earlier. I mean, she did everything. She made sure that the colors were right, the furniture was right, the artwork was right. She, She changed out all of the reading material, the magazines, the books, the newspapers, all, 1959. One of the unique things that she did was she took out all of the mirrors, (laughs) so that you couldn't look at the mirror and remind yourself, I'm not actually 20 years younger. Very important element that she did there. But she replaced the music with music from 1959. She even took and put a black and white TV in and showed television shows from 1959. The participants in the study were asked to live as if it was 1959 and to talk to one another as if it was 1959. There was no, uh, no talk in the past tense that was allowed. You can't talk about like, well, well, you remember when it was 1959? No, it was like all current events in 1959 were being lived at that very moment and people were asked to talk as if they were living 20 years earlier. Now this went on for a week of seclusion. A week of seclusion. People in their upper 70s, early 80s for an entire week snapped back 20 years earlier. Now, before all the study started, they did all the medical exams on them. They did cognitive you know, tests. They did intelligent tests. They did it all. And after one week, only one week of the clock turning back 20 years, the participants showed some incredible measurable increase. You're going to be surprised. They were actually physically stronger. Their dexterity was greater their tastes increased. Check this out. Hearing and vision got better. Cognitive and intelligence increased. Physically, their fingers that had had arthritis diminished them. They actually lengthened the length of their fingers. Can you believe this? This is, this is mind-blowing to me. On the first day of the test, some said that they kind of shuffled their way in upper 70s, early 80s. It's back in 1979. I know now if you're 80, it's like the new 60. I get that, all right? But on the last day, on the last day, the group actually went out into the front lawn and played football. Not tackle. No, no. I know that's where some of you went. No, that's, I can't picture that either. They went out and they played touch football. Can you imagine that? The people that were hired to help the study They were asked, after the whole study was over, I want you to look at the before and after pictures of these participants. What do you notice? All of the participants looked like they had become two, three, four, five years younger. All of that happened in one week. How many guys would like to do that study? (laughs) If you could gain some of that back, isn't that amazing? What is it really telling us? It's telling us this. There's something transformative about the way that you see and you experience time. Something's transformative about that. The time has an effect on us in many different ways, physically, mentally, emotionally, and even spiritually. 
And that's why the habit I want to talk to you today about is really so important. Wind the clock is important. Why? Because wind the clock is this. It's about stewarding time in two different ways. It's about making the most of every minute, but it's also about making the most of every moment. Both and. Minutes and moments. In the ancient Greek, they had two words for time. Kronos and Kairos. Okay, I want you to say those with me. Kronos and Kairos. They should have been on the screen. You probably saw them. All right, so those two words, those are the two words, right? They're, they're like the opposite sides of a, of a coin. There's the heads and the tails, but they are the, they're both words that define this idea of time. And so if you, if you know anything about like watches, maybe you have a chronograph watch or something like that, I have a couple of those, um, then you know that chronos is clock time. Chronos is about managing your minutes, your hours, and your weeks. It's all about the questions of like, when are we going to get there? Are we going to get there on time? And if you don't manage your chronos, if you don't manage your minutes and hours and calendar, then guess what? Somebody else manages it for you. So if you don't tell yourself, this is where I'm going to be, this is what I'm going to do, this is what I'm going to get done, someone else is robbing that time. Someone else is taking that time. So there's chronos time. And we really get chronos time in America especially. But then there's this kairos time. Kairos time is about making the most of the moment. It's about living in the moment. It's about relationships. It's about recognizing that the best I have is with me right now. That the best you have at this very moment is the people that are sitting next to you, the message that you're hearing, and this moment that you've come to worship God. This is the best you have right now. And how many times have you been out with somebody for dinner or for coffee, or you've looked across at another table, and you see people there in the moment, but they're not really in the moment. Their phone is out, they're in this minute, but they're not in this moment. Like we struggle with this a lot, right? But Kairos says this, you got to make the most of every moment. you got to make the most of the journey. You gotta, have you ever heard this statement? Stop and smell the roses. Did you ever want to slap the person that said that? Those kind of people, you, ever know, you know people that are like stop and smell the roses people, and th- do they get underneath your skin like they get underneath my skin sometimes? Right? That's because we kind of like, we bend one way or the other. We bend kairos or we bend chronos. It's like one of those things. But kairos also says, like, who's on the journey with you? But it also asks this very important question, who are you becoming on the journey? There's a lot of introspective when you're looking at Kairos time. And I just know this, our society, our culture, our nation places a greater value on Kronos time than it does on Kairos time. Would you agree with me? We actually devalue Kairos time. We actually devalue in valuing the journey, stopping and smelling the roses, you know, enjoying the presence of one another. We're more about Kronos. We're like, get it done, get it done, get it done now. Are you efficient? Did everything happen quickly? But God places a value on both. And I want you to take a listen to the, this famous passage about what the psalmist says in Psalms 118, 24. It says that this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice in what? But it's what day? It's the day the Lord has made. That means the Lord made the minutes of the day. But guess what else he made? The moments of the day. And he wants us to be glad in the minutes. But he also wants us to be glad in the moments it's a both 
and it's not an either or. So that's wind the clock. Wind the clock is maximizing the minutes and maximizing the moments. And so I just know this right now. Everybody listening to me, you're going to be stretched either by maximizing the chronos time, the minutes, the hours, and the weeks, right? Or maximizing the keros time, maximizing the journey, right? I want you to know today I'm preaching to myself, right? Because we're all in this together. And the problem is, look, we can't create more time. And we can't get, you can't get back wasted time. We don't have a rewind button. We can't go back and go, man, I, I really wish I could snap back to this age. I really wish I could go back and maximize those moments. I really wish that I would have spent more time with that person while they were still on earth. I really wish I would have had Kairos time instead of just Kronos time driving me. But you only get one opportunity to live in this minute and in this moment. And so the big question that we need to be asking ourselves is this. Are we making the most of the opportunities that God is providing us? And are we making the most of this opportunity that God has provided us? And then I think the second question we really need to have burning in our heart as we go through this message today is this. Who are you becoming along the journey? Are you allowing the journey to create in you the very man or the woman that God's trying to create as he takes you through his Kairos time? Well, Ephesians chapter 5, I think, is, is a good place to land. It's going to be our roadmap today for how, what does it look like to wind the clock. Ephesians chapter 5, I want you to go there with me. Um, I want you to go with, we've got about three verses we're going to look at today. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17, it says this. So be careful how you live. Don't live like how? Fools. Don't live like fools. But like those who are what? Wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. I want to help you understand how this passage of Scripture can help us both maximize the minutes and also help us maximize the moments. The King James Version, when it talks about verse 16, making the most of every opportunity in these evil days, the King James Version uses the unique word. It says, redeem the time because the days are evil. And we like to look at this thing and really kind of interpret it from, a, from an American perspective, our culture and our society. We, we like to look at it and go, yeah, that's right, God. we got to make the most of every minute that we're in. Like, we gotta, we got to like live for you. The, the days are evil. There's only so much time. we we got to get after it. we got to get busy. And I would say to you, yes, be urgent. The days are short. The days are evil. But that's not the kind of time that God was talking about here in Ephesians chapter 5. God's not talking about chronos time. God's talking about kairos time. Isn't that interesting? Make the most of all of your kairos time, all of your moments. Make the most of the season that you're in. Make the most of the relationships that you have. Make the most of the journey. Glean from it. Learn from it. Become the man and the woman that I'm trying to develop in you in the moment. Why? Because the days are evil. It's as if God's going, I put a lot of value on Kairos time, making the most, living in the moment. Why? Because there's something I'm trying to do in you. And when you knee-jerk to your human, your human ticking of the clock time, your chronos time, the minutes and the moments that you're living in, those minutes that turn into hours, that turn into weeks, you tend to miss what my spirit is trying to do in you and through you because you're not maximizing the moment. God's asking us to make the most 
of the opportunity to maximize the season, to glean from the journey. How do we do that? I find it really interesting about this passage of Scripture that verse 16 is like the meat. And verse 15 and 17 are like the bun. (laughs) And they're kind of like holding it all together. And if you want to live, verse 16, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil, then we have to put into practice, we have to live, we have to apply verses 15 and verse 17. I just find it interesting about this passage that way. So let's look at how do we make the most of every opportunity. Verse 15 said this, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Unfortunately, we all know people who are living like fools with their time. They're wasting days that turn into wasting weeks, that turn into wasting months, that turn into wasting years, that unfortunately have turned into wasting what? Lifetimes. Living like a fool, it's allowing this non-productive stuff that's all around us to rule us, to guide us, to direct us, to like basically suck all the life right out of us. And the world we live in is full of non-productive, time-sucking entities. Think about the internet for a moment, okay? Humanity. This is what we know about humanity in the year 2022. We are going to consume and produce 94 zettabytes of data this year in 2022. Now, I don't know what that, what that makes you think, but it just makes me think this. I have no idea what a zettabyte is. <laughs> but I know it's greater than a kilobyte and a gigabyte. And whatever else comes next, it's a lot of information. I know that. And, the, and they believe, as they've observed how much information we create and how much we consume, that, that number is going to double every two years. Here's another interesting fact that is sucking our time. The average human being sees 10,000 advertisements every single day of their life. We're getting bombarded with them. You're getting bombarded with one right now. Like right now, someone's out there and they're saying, I wonder where Jeff got those boots. I wonder where he got that, this shirt. I got people, unfortunately, that ask me, uh, every week from one of our campuses, they're like, I was trying to figure out, what does your shirt say? And I'm like, did you hear anything from the message? I'm saying that, I'm saying that to you right now. Listen to the sermon, all right? I have no idea what my shirt says. My wife dresses me. <laughs> so it's not always the billboard. You're not seeing 10,000 billboards. You're not seeing 10,000 commercials. Some of you are getting close to that, though, on a a daily basis. But you're you're seeing advertisement all over the place. Win the day. It's an advertisement. I mean, it's just being bombarded. We're so, it's all around us. We just live in the moment. But our mind is scatterbrained. It's like, what is that? Hey, what's that? We're we're like the old, uh, that that cartoon that came out not too long ago. It was like the guy who like kept, kept seeing squirrel and kept getting distracted. Like, squirrel, right? Like, we're that guy. The average person spends two and a half hours on social media every day. Can I just say this to you? If that's who you are and you don't work for a social media company, that's crazy. If that's not your job, but the average person is doing that, that tells me, here's the crazy part, somebody's doing way more than that, right? But that's what we live in. And then not to mention all of that, but hey, Jeff Baker, binge watch Netflix, right? Like, on top of all of that, you got this going on. 
But you also have this study that was recently produced on the average worker and how they're distracted or interrupted 581 hours a, a year. Employee, employers, your, your, your employees are distracted 581 hours a year, are interrupted. That equals to 14 and a half weeks. That means that a company is, is paying an employee 25% of their salary to be distracted and interrupted. This is the world that we live in, guys. Right? So I don't know about you, but it sounds a lot like foolish time being wasted. And unfortunately, we don't have anyone else to blame because we created the storm. <laughs> we created this thing. And there isn't any more time in the day, but it seems like every year and every generation that goes by, we keep trying to cram more and more stuff into the day that keeps eating up our energy and our productivity. And the crazy thing is, when you talk to people, here's what you hear from people. I am exhausted. I am exhausted. You hear that from people all the time. And now there's this rumbling like, well, you know what, you know what would solve the problem? If we just worked four days a week only. And I'm going to tell you right now, working four days a week is not going to solve the problem. Because the problem isn't how much time you're working. The problem is a heart issue. It's a heart issue. And the answer to this entire issue, the answer is found in a very unique miracle that Jesus gave us when he rebuked a fig tree. And you might be thinking to yourself, like, how, how is that the answer, Jeff, that Jesus rebukes a fig tree? I want you to see this. This is how we make the most of every opportunity. If Matthew chapter 21. In the morning, as Jesus was returning to Jerusalem, he was hungry. I love little moments like that, by the way. Because it shows the humanity of Jesus. Although he's fully God, he's also fully man. And he noticed that a fig tree was beside the road. He went over to see if there were any figs, but... There were only leaves. Then he said to it, may you never bear fruit again. And immediately the fig, fig tree withered up and it died. Guys, how many of you would say that's a weird miracle? <laughs> I, I like the miracles of Jesus where he heals people. Where blind eyes are open, where deaf ears are open, where people that couldn't walk, they walk again. Right? I, I'm looking for the miracles where Jesus walks on the water. I'm looking for the miracles where Jesus is like, hey, throw the net on the other side of the boat. And they, they pull in a net full of fish that can't even get into the boat. Like, I'm looking for life-giving. At first glance, this doesn't seem like a life-giving miracle, does it? Until you start looking at it through the lens of making the most of every opportunity. And what does Jesus do? Jesus says this, you are wasting time and you are wasting space. You, I need to kill you. I need to get this tree out of the way so that a new one can grow that's going to produce life. And guys, in your life and in my life, that's the very thing that we have to do. We have to get these time wasters out. We have to cut back on the time wasters or we have to cut them out completely. Why? So that things that bear life can come up. So that we got to carve out some of the things that are taking life away from us so we can insert the things that can actually bring us life. Like this, more face-to-face -face time with people. Some of you, you need that. You need us to go out and find it. You need to create it. You need to make it happen in a healthy way. A life group is a great way weekly, right, bi-weekly, whatever it is. Some, some groups even meet once a month. I get that. But face-to-face -face human interaction, you need it. Volunteering to help others whether it's at New Life Church or it's at some other entity, like Pastor West highlighted for us this week, the Salvation Army in Ogallala. Like getting out and serving people, doing something that's productive. Do something that's productive for your physical health, for your mental health, for your emotional health, 
for your physical health. It may even be this. You need to regiment your bedtime better. But we got to put into action some things. we got to kill some fig trees so some new life can come up. we got some things that are sucking the life out of us, and they're not giving anything back to us. So we have to be wise with our time. Amen? We have to be wise with our time. But let's also look at what verse 17 says about making the most of every opportunity. It says this, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. It's hard sometimes to know what the Lord wants you to do. But I know this, he doesn't want us to be thoughtless about what we're doing in the minute and in the moment. Basically what I'm hearing screaming at me right now is this, every minute and every moment matters. Why? Because God has brought a purpose to every minute and to every moment. King Solomon helped us to understand that there's a season, there's a moment, and there's a ticking of the time clock actually as well for everything. He says this in Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8, for everything there is a season, a time for every activity under the sun, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to turn away, a time to search and a time to quit searching, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be quiet and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. God has a time for everything. And my question to you today is this, what time is it? That's not the time I'm talking about. What time is it? Meaning this, like what season does God have you in? Right? What is the Lord wanting to do in you? Verse 17. Right? Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord's wanting you to do. What is it that the Lord's wanting you to do? What time is it? Where does God have you? What opportunity is God asking you to make the most of? And it can be super hard to discern this sometimes. Amen? You guys have, have struggled with that sometimes? Absolutely. Trying to discern the difference between my soul and God's spirit. Like trying to hear his voice. God, what is it that you want me to do? Just be clear with me, God, and I'll do it. Sometimes your prayers kind of get to that point. And let me tell you part of the reason why it's difficult. Part of the reason why it's difficult is because man's time counts up while God's time counts down. Let me, let me make sure that you understand that. Man's time counts up while God's time is counting down. Same timeline, two different approaches. I mean, man, we're limited, right, in time and space. God's not. So what does man have to do? Man goes this, I know what happened, I know where I'm at, and I know where I'm trying to go. I have no idea what the future holds, but I know where I went, I know where I'm at, and I'm looking like through a rose-colored glass at what the future holds. God, on the other hand, is facing time backwards. He knows your future, he knows your present, and he knows your past. Guys, I'm going to tell you right now, there's a big difference between those two. There's a massive difference between those two. Yes, God is the Alpha and he is the Omega. It's true. It means he's the beginning and the end. He was here before everything was and he will be around forever. But God is also the beginning of time and the ending of time. 
That just means God knows what tomorrow holds for you. He he knows what next week holds. He knows what next year holds. He knows what the end is in mind. I mean, an example of that is Jesus in Acts chapter 1. He's getting ready to ascend into heaven. He turns to his disciples and he says these words to them. In a few days, the power of the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. Jesus, being fully God, he knew exactly what was getting ready to come in just a few days down the road. Because God doesn't live in our space and our time. He doesn't live in the properties that you and me live in. God isn't bound or constrained by time and space. God sees your future as clearly as he saw your past. That's the God we serve. We just happen to see our future through a dark and fuzzy filter. So what is it that God's doing in all of our lives? He's reverse engineering your life. That's what he's doing. He knows what the end is. He knows the great accomplishments that he has in store for you. He knows the the big things, the mountains you're going to climb. He knows these things. And he's going back and he's going, well, because you're going to lead this someday, then I, I need to, I'm going to lead you to lead that. And I'm going to give you this experience. I'm going to give you that opportunity that's going to bring some pain, but you're going to need it because you're going to need to be able to lead these people with greater compassion. And that means that you're going to need to be born here. And God reverse engineers your life. And right now in heaven, there's a book that says Jeff Baker on it. And if I could go to heaven right now and I could open it up, I could flip to future chapters and I could read what God already wrote for my life. Now the question is this, are you going to surrender to that timeline and allow God's reverse engineering to take place in your life as God is literally pulling you into the future while we are walking into the future? Two different different concepts of time. God's trying to maximize it. He's reverse engineering it like Ephesians chapter 2 says in, in verse 10. He says, for we are God's masterpiece. Can, it, can you just look at me for a moment? Look at me right now at all of our campuses. Look at me at our Carney campus. You are God's masterpiece. This past week, I didn't feel like God's masterpiece. I saw my failures. Right? I saw my moments where I fell flat on my face. But you know what God's doing? Yeah, but Jeff, you don't see the masterpiece that I created for your life. I'm trying to pull you in to being this beautiful masterpiece. Will you allow me just to reverse engineer it? Can I pull you into it? And I guarantee you, your life is very much like mine. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can what? Read it with me. So that we can what? Do good things that who? He planned for us when? God already planned these things. He's the one's pulling you into it. God's leading your life. He's leading it. He's got the end in mind. God's counting down, guys, with great anticipation, the minutes and the hours, the days and the months for you as you're being developed into his beautiful masterpiece. This is why winning the day is so important. We can't change yesterday. Tomorrow's a mystery. So what should we do? We should win what we can see clearly today. And if we win today for God and then we win tomorrow for God, guess what we're doing? We're putting ourselves in lockstep. We're surrendering to the reverse engineering of God and his timing. And we're surrendering to him. We're saying, God, develop me into the masterpiece you want me to be. How do I get there? I don't even know what it looks like, God. But I can do this. I can see clearly today. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to win today. I'm going to win today for God so that he can develop me into the man he wants me to be. But guys, there's a warning here. Never diminish 
Never diminish what God can do in a day, because what God can do in a day would take you a thousand lifetimes. So, in wrapping up today, let's follow the same instructions Jesus gave his disciples before ascending into heaven. Just so we can make the most of the moment that we're in right now. Jesus gave his disciples these instructions. Wait on God. Pray to God. Seek God. Open your heart to the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Listen for his voice. Maximize his instructions. Trust that God's plan and what he's doing is the best plan. You can't come up with a better one. And strive to understand what God wants you to be doing. That's the instructions Jesus gave his disciples. Those instructions are still good for you and for me today. So guys, look. This morning, here's what I want to challenge you to do. Let's make the most of this opportunity that we have right now. And let's worship Jesus with a passion and with a surrendered heart. And let's surrender to the timeline of God as he reverse engineers our life so that we can make the most of every opportunity. Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Lord, you already knew this moment was going to be here. That's part of your masterpiece plan. It's awesome. It's mind-boggling. We, we just lived every day and we ended up here. But you've been pulling us through your timeline to be at this very moment. That means there's something that you wanted to do profoundly in our lives today. You want to do something profound through this message. You knew that you were going to have a man who you created a few decades ago. Who was going to study, who was going to learn, who was going to go through pain and failure. And who was eventually going to write a book called Win the Day. That was going to allow Jeff Baker to read that book and go, I want my congregation to hear this. Lord, you put that in all of our hearts. We're not that smart. You did all of that. To today, where we're hearing from your word and we're reflecting on this idea of what it looks like to wind the clock. To make the most of every minute and every moment. It's by no accident. So Lord, can we just lean in right now and realize that this is, it seems like just another Sunday, but it's not. It seems like just another sermon, but it's not. It seems like another moment just to sing a couple of songs that maybe we already know, but it's not. It's a moment that's been engineered, designed by you to transform us into your masterpiece. So Lord, we choose to lean into this Kairos moment. We choose to lean into it and we say, God, we want to make the most of it. We want to make the most of this journey. We want to make the most of this morning with you. We want to make the most of this opportunity for your Holy Spirit to speak to us, live in us, dwell in us, change us. May this Kairos moment transform us into the man and into the woman that you've created us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.